Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and again, I'm coming to you and bringing a message out of the book of Revelation. And the passage we'll be dealing with today is Revelation chapter 14. I can't believe I'm this far in the book, but Revelation chapter 14, uh, verses 6 and 7. It's not a lot to look at, but it's uh, packed with information. Uh, so I want to give you go ahead and read this to you. So if you would like to take a copy of God's Word, I invite you to do that. And just to read it with me or to uh, at least know where it is and you can uh, read it later and just listen. Uh, especially if you're just driving in a car and listening to this. I don't want you to be reading while you're driving. But I want to read this and then I'll get right into the, mess, the passage. Revelation chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. The Word of God says, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven. Having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation and tribe, tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and the springs of waters. I'm entitling this passage today, The Strangest Event Ever. Because that's what I think of when I look at this passage. From the very first time I ever read the book of Revelation, and I came across that verse, this passage, these two verses, I thought, wow, what a strange thing to happen. The first thing I began to ask is, is it real? Is it true? Is it really going to happen? And uh, I have studied Revelations a lot. I've also come to believe and to trust and to love God's Word and to believe that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And this is a verse from the Scripture, and so it is a very real verse of Scripture. So, in that case, I will call it a very strange event. Now, strange events are, 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 are around us all the time. We, I, I, there's probably many of you listening who have seen things that are strange. You, some of them you may not even can explain. They just would be labeled strange events. And I know in Scripture we see strange events. We see things, and many of the times they're involving angels. Well, angels are very much involved in the economy of God. They've, they've been involved in the giving of the law, the Mosaic law. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, they, they minister to the saints at the time of the end, the time of God's final judgment. Angels are very involved in, in the final judgment as well. So the role of angels is a major, major factor in God's final judgment. And so when I think about strange things, it's not uncommon to think about angels. Now, I don't know how many of you out there that are listening uh, have ever had any experience with angels, but I've already talked to some this week who felt like they were perhaps protected, and my heart goes out to those that just went through the hurricane in Florida, seeing as I just pastored a church for 15 years in Florida and served on the staff of another church for two years and so I'm very familiar with a lot of people that went through this hurricane, and I'm so thankful that the people I've heard from in the last two days, they're okay. My house as, that I had is, is okay. Uh, everything is fine. There was no damage at the house, and yet the, I think the eye just about went right over. Of course, it was inland a ways. went just about right over the subdivision in which we lived, Carol and I lived. So I'm grateful for all that, but uh, we've already uh, heard from people. And uh, some have even said that they felt like an angel was protecting their house. And so that makes me think of this passage where strange things happen. I know when I, in my previous, 
I mean, in, in years looking back, I, I think of uh, uh, of strange things, and a couple of them are with angels. I don't have time to get into the stories, but one is particularly, it happened to my mother. My mother was a single mom, uh, took care of five of us, uh, four of us boys, and uh, she worried and, and had to provide for us and a home for us, and she did such a tremendous job. But one night she went to bed really worried and stressed over uh, probably just circumstances and maybe even our well-being and stuff. I don't remember what all that story was. <clears throat> but as she fell asleep, she woke up to the sound of a thump on the side of the house right behind her headboard of the bed. And so she sat up in the bed, uh, startled because of the noise, and just she said it was like a message of peace just came to her. And it just swept over her whole body. It was like... She said it was like the voice was saying, do not fear, I, everything will be okay. Something to that effect, those words. And she just had the perfect peace and was able to lay back down and went straight to sleep. Well, I think of that. We've talked about that. Was that an angel? Well, it very well could have been an angel because, as I say, Hebrews 1, they're sent to minister to saints. My mother was a, a, a believer. And so, and I'm sure, I think she even said she went to bed praying that night. So was that an angel? It very well could could have been. I know that uh, the book of Hebrews, for example, tells us in Revelation, I mean in Hebrews chapter 13, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by some have entertained angels without even knowing it. So I think angels are around. So, But can you imagine actually seeing one, and at the time seeing one, know that it's an angel? I think that would qualify as a strange event. Well, that's exactly what this passage of Scripture does for us. We're in the time of the tribulation period. When we get to this uh, passage, it is very much into the thick of things in the, uh, from the midpoint on, and this would be past the midway point. And these, this angel is suddenly going to come on the scene that John sees, and it is an amazing thing. It's going to be, I think, the strangest thing to think about happening than I've, I've ever seen. In fact, uh, even as I think through Revelation, I don't think there's many other things that are gonna, going to be quite as strange, even though some of those other strange things might include angels. But angels are involved in many, many aspects of end times. And so when we think about strange things happening, I want you to think about this, because the people on earth are going to see this. This is going to be a very real event. It's going to be a very strange event. It's going to be a very frightening event. It's going to be a very much an encouragement. But the doom of the world is very clear as far as part of the message of this angel. And so we see that this passage deals with, in fact, the whole, the whole chapter deals with angels. We come to this passage, we find angels involved not so much in the judgment or in the gathering of the elect, as Matthew 24 says, but we find that angels here that are speaking. Three particular angels in verses 6 through 11, each of them has a message to deliver. And this is going to be a very strange thing to think about, but they are involved in this. We see them bringing messages from God, and that's the role they have here. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, in the book of Revelation, angels are involved in every chapter, from chapter 4 to 14, with the exception of chapter 13. So they are very, very involved in the activities and the message of the end time. 
There are three angels that we're going to see in verses 6 through 11. We're not going to cover all that today. We're only going to look at the first angel. In fact, if you look at verse 6 of Revelation chapter 14, it says, I saw another angel. One angel. We're going to deal with one angel. But there's a series of angelic messages uh, that will be brought with proclamations and, and the, about the consummation of the age or the end of the world. Before this chapter is over, we'll see many of, of uh, I think as much as seven of them. But the first three are linked closely together. The first three angels and their messages are linked very closely together, and that's in verses 6 through 11. So the role they play here, as I said, not the role of judgment, but the role of warning. Uh, before they are instruments of judgment, and we've seen that already up to this point in Revelation, they are instruments of warnings, and again, we see it here. And so the text is very clear in presenting that to us. Now, keep in mind, these angels that we see here are not necessarily sequential. That is, all of the angels in chapter 14. They are not necessarily given in some kind of a chronological order, even though I think the first two actually are. But we really have no way of knowing that. In fact, all the way through the end of the chapter, you have a, an assortment of angelic messengers with, that will, which would direct their attention to giving certain messages to the world. They're not necessarily in proper sequence, but they address certain issues and events will stretch clear across time, uh, known as the tribulation period. And the three messengers, which we have just read, uh, will anticipate the judgment of the seventh trumpet. You remember the seventh trumpet? It's been so long since we had the seventh, the, the preparation for the seventh trumpet that we forgot where it was really. But it's found in chapter 11. And that is, uh, then we had chapter uh, 12 and 13 that was just a little bit of an interlude, uh, discussed some different issues, mainly related to Satan. Now, these three angels are going to come on the scene in chapter 14, getting us ready uh, in anticipation of the seventh trumpet, which will be blown. The seven bowls, which will be poured out, as we will see directed in chapter 15 and 16. So just before that final outpouring of the last judgments on earth, uh, that will come in rapid fire at the end of the Great Tribulation, we meet these powerful proclaiming angels. And what a role they have and how strange it's going to be for the people on the earth. There is a message here of hope given here. Uh, if you, depending on how you look at this and how you read this, but I want to uh, give you some of this, so I want to jump right into what I call a very simple outline for this passage today. Again, the title is The Strangest Event Ever. Number one, I want you to see the messenger. We see it in verse 6 of Revelation 14. I saw another angel, and that is our messenger. This first angel is preaching the gospel. At least most believe he is preaching the gospel. The first angel is preaching this gospel. I saw another angel uh, flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel to preach. It even says to preach or to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Now, another way of saying that that we've seen six times before this chapter is uh, calling attention to the world the people on the earth are as earth dwellers. And here I said the proclamation of God's last message of warning is calling this, this one is a, a message of warning in, in one sense, and yet it's calling people to a saving faith, calling the world to salvation in Christ during this tremendous period. Now, some would say that's not what's happening here, but we're going to get into that. But you'll notice this first angel is the messenger for this message that is going out to the earth. 
Now, we've already been introduced to angels in in, in chapter four through chapter fourteen. Angels appear except in every in every chapter except chapter thirteen. So here is just another one of these angels. And we know there are surely millions of them. Back in chapter 5, in verse 11, it says, The number of the angels gathered around the throne was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, uh, myriad times myriad. Uh, we don't even know how far that is, but most writers say it's ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Wow. And it's a way to describe the indescribable or to count the uncountable. And one of those millions of holy angels is here. Just one of them is here, and he's selected for a very unique purpose. Now, that's the messenger. He is one of God's created angels. And so number two on the outline is the method. It says he's flying in mid-heaven. This is how he's going to disperse what he's sent to do. He is going to fly in mid-heaven. The mid-heaven, don't let that term fool you. Some say it's the second heaven, and that very well is. But this is not meant to give us the view of the second heaven as much as it refers to the height of the sun at noonday. In other words, it's the, the very peak of the afternoon, early afternoon, to the point of this, in the sky where the sun has reached its, its midway point straight up. It's the highest point in heaven where the greatest visibility will occur across the face of the earth. This angel, it says, look at what it says. I saw another angel, that's the messenger, but look at what his method is. He's flying. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't, I've not ever seen an angel. You know, uh, angels really weren't even brought into the vocabulary of very many people until Billy Graham came out with his book years ago called Angels. And that awakened many people to the fact that, wow, they thought they had actually been visited by an angel or comforted by an angel or saved from something. Uh, I've had so many people with stories of angels tell me that. My, well, my mother and I just told you about. But this angel... It's going to be, it says, flying in mid-heaven. So he's going to be, you look up at the sun at midday, noon, that's how, at the very apex of the noonday, and you see that's how high this angel's going to be. But it's obviously going to be visible. I think, it's, I think it's obvious from the text. I think it's obvious that he's going to be high up off the ground. But then look at what it says, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Well, you can't do that from one location. So he's flying over and around the world, over the, the earth, and he's proclaiming. Now, I don't know what you call a strange event, but I think that's a strange event. I think this is a uh, an angel flying there continually in the sight of everybody, flying at the highest point in heaven, the maximum point where the greatest amount of visibility is provided from the vantage point of earth? Man, I can't think of anything stranger. So, his pulpit at that point is beyond the control of the Antichrist. He can't be reached by them. It's beyond the control of demons. In fact, we know during, on the earth at this time, there are going to be millions of demons and the earth is going to be very demonic. Remember now, the influence or the Holy Spirit is pulled back. 
the it's a it's the uh, pulling back of the restraining power of the Holy Spirit, so that evil is released. It's got its, it's going to go its full course, and I can't even imagine how wicked and evil the world is going to be. You say, well, it already is. Well, it's not as bad as it's going to be. So we see this that his pulpit, the preaching angel, is going to be unobstructed. And, and there have been holy angels, as you remember from the book of Daniel, that have actually intended to come. If Daniel had an angel desiring to come to him with a message from God, but he was injured two weeks. And so they could do that. But here, they're not allowed to do that. And this will be unobstructed, a message from God. So the method here is that he's flying around. And just to give you a little note, in verse 7 it says, And he said with a loud voice. So he he actually is flying at the very height of his ability. He is flying. He's able to fly. He doesn't have an airplane. He's flying on his own. So that's going to be strange. We, we get to actually, well, I say we. If you're listening to this message, you're probably a believer, and you won't be here. Uh, you'll be gone in the rapture. But the earth dwellers will see it. Now, will they see it as strange? I don't know. Will they see it as fearful? I don't know what what they will think when they see this, but it is going to be a sight to, to behold. Uh, so he is flying around. Now remember now, we've already experienced incredible devastation on the earth. So the people on earth have actually seen some crazy things. Uh, you go through and begin reading in chapter 8 of Revelation, then chapter 9 of Revelation, uh, and then chapter, a uh, little bit of an interlude in 10, and then read 11. Man, the people on the earth are going to see uh, things. There's going to be a massacre, holocaust of people uh, dying. The sky will have been shredded, as it were, as earth as well. And all that describes in chapter, from chapter 6 right on through. The people of the world will have heard preaching, for example. By the 144,000, and we said probably their mission is to, to be preachers or or teachers, uh, and so they, they've heard, and anyone being saved, I'm sure there is a, a proclamation from a lot of people's lips that the end is near, repent, or the kingdom is, the coming kingdom is, is almost here. So the whole world will know about uh, the, the, the message of so many people. Then you had the two witnesses that it says we're able to draw fire down from heaven. So people are going to see strange things. We know that. But in spite of all this, additionally, people over the earth who have been saved and had managed to not be dead at the moment can, are going to speak. And those out of Israel, the Gentiles, are going to be witnessing probably everywhere because if there's anyone that's going to believe we're at the end, it's going to be those people. And so here, in one great dominating role, God identifies one angel to just fly back and forth in mid-heaven as the earth rotates so the whole globe can hear him preach. Wow, what a strange event. Now imagine now seeing him is one thing. They're going to hear him speak. And then they have to listen to what he has to say. And so that brings me to number three, his message. The message of this. Well, you might ask, well, what is his message? What does he preach? Well, it says in verse 6, having an eternal gospel to preach. Well, the word preach is the first clue to, to this. 
It's a euangelizo, which means to evangelize or to proclaim. The gospel is uh, is is a word that I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek words. I, I know better than just trying to do that because it doesn't mean anything to the audience. What what they what y'all really want to hear, which is not what I want to hear, is not the actual sound of the Greek word, but I want to hear what it means. So the gospel we know means the good news. And it says then eternal gospel. Eternal in what sense? Well, it's in eternal in the sense of its importance. It's eternal in the sense that it provides uh, eternal security, eternal uh, life. Eternal in the sense that it provides the means to eternal life. It's the good news that relates to eternity. Without the gospel penetrating and piercing our hearts, we are not going to heaven, folks. Uh, some people have suggested that the eternal gospel is another gospel different than what Paul preached. I don't think so. I don't think that's what we see here. I think this is the gospel. It may not be worded like what Paul would say because it's coming from a whole different way to reach the people. But this is not the, the typical way that some people look at this. I look at it as preaching the gospel. But I want to read you from John Walvoord's book, on the book of Revelation, you say, who is John Walvoord? Well, he's, uh, he's special to me because he was the president of Dallas Theological Seminary when I was there. But he says this, John was given a vision of an angel carrying a message uh, called the eternal gospel. The angel, and this is what John says, and I quote, the angel was commissioned to bring his message to every group of people on the earth because the word gospel, some have, because of the word gospel, some have felt that this was a message of salvation or the good news of the coming kingdom. The context, he says, however, seems to indicate otherwise, for the message is one of judgment and condemnation. And I can see that. I can see why he would say that. And then it says, the message that the angel pronounced is, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. So the eternal message seems to be a message of God's righteousness and judgment rather than a message of salvation. That's what John Walbert says, and it's hard to disagree with that, but the thing that I do see in that is he doesn't tell you any more. Why is it not the good news of the kingdom or the good news of the gospel preached? Why is it just that? But I know that when you read this, you see that another angel was flying and with, the, with the eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth. And the message that he has, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Well, I see, Well, that, can, that is a message of warning. But that's what the gospel is. It warns men that the, there is salvation, there is hope only in Christ. Otherwise, there is damnation. There is an eternity in hell. And that is, salvation is what they need. So, I, I don't know uh, what... Uh, I, he doesn't offer any more proof to that, but I'm going to stick with what I believe. I think this is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ or the good news of the kingdom. It doesn't matter which one it is. There's only one gospel. The same gospel of salvation has different elements. It's all from God. It's all about Christ. It's all through grace. It provides peace. It's also about the way of the gospel is the kingdom. It's the good news that tells men and women how they can enter into the eternal kingdom of God. The kingdom that has been opened by Christ and all who believe can enter.
This angel is not preaching anything different than anyone who's ever preached the gospel. He might be saying it different. The angel is preaching the good news that God has provided a kingdom. And after all, when we see this in Revelation chapter 14, we are so, so very close to the end of the age, the end of that tribulation period, and what comes next will be the beginning of the millennial reign with Christ. In other words, the year or the 1,000-year the reign upon the earth of God's kingdom where Christ will rule from that kingdom. So, that is what his message is. Uh, remember, these people on earth, they've heard the truth about Christ. They've heard the truth about grace and forgiveness. They had the two witnesses. They had the 144,000. They have all those that are being saved or speaking. Uh, so, there is a lot of truth out there. Uh I don't know what they think about the way they hear things or see things or what they even are thinking about the fact that so many people are missing in the rapture. But they've heard the truth about peace and salvation. They've heard the truth about a, a coming kingdom. And they've heard there's only one way into the kingdom. As John chapter 14 says, uh, uh, Jesus, where, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to heaven. I would imagine that verse is included in the tribulation period, from the messages that people are preaching. But they've heard all this through this whole time, the earth dwellers have. They've heard about the death of Christ. They've heard about the resurrection. They've heard about the gospel of the kingdom. Before the end comes, the whole world will hear the gospel of the kingdom, according to Matthew chapter 24, 14, that it must be preached to the whole world. So we know it's coming, and we know people are going to hear that. And what better way to make sure that every single person on earth will hear the gospel than to have an angel in mid-heaven flying back and forth day after day after day after day. We're not told how long he does it. Proclaiming the eternal gospel of the kingdom. That would cover anything. Now you might ask, and someone asked me this one, the last time I taught Revelation, which was several years ago, Said, well, how? That what? Ink? What? What? <laughs> it's so silly. But they said, what language does he speak? As if he's going to speak English, and those people are not going to understand what he says. He's going to. They're going to hear it in their own language. It's kind of like what happened at Pentecost. They're going to hear the gospel in their own language. They'll know what he is saying. So as he's flying back and forth and proclaiming this eternal gospel of the kingdom, there won't be people saying, "What is he saying?" I don't understand. What, what, what language is that angel speaking? No. No. That's not going to happen. They'll know what it is. The good news, the door of the kingdom is still open. There's still grace provided. So, now notice how directly this message comes. The angel speaks with a loud voice. That would be obvious. He shouts. The shouting indicates that he will be heard uh, with an urgency to the message. And what is it that he shouts? The most important, he shouts, fear God and give him glory. That is the message. Uh, fear God and give him glory. Well, right off the bat, let me tell you this. The people can't do that. Earth dwellers, you as an unbeliever, when you were an unbeliever, can't do that. You cannot uh, do what this passage is, is, is asking you to do. You cannot uh, give him glory. You cannot cry out to God. You cannot do any of that because your spirit is dead. God quickens you to do that. Now, I know there's going to be people that are going to object to that when I say it. But that, in my heart, is the truth of the Word of God. The message is so clear. 
The point is this. Don't fear reverence. Be afraid of. Concern yourself with what the Antichrist says or Satan, but fear God. God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who is in control. Remember now, their God on earth, the one who's got the loudest voice before this angel, is the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're the ones screaming and proclaiming and demanding worship. But God is the one to fear, is what they're saying here, what this angel is saying. Jesus said, Do not fear those who can destroy the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Jesus said, fear him. And that's what this angel is proclaiming. This assumes, by the way, the knowledge of the gospel of grace, the knowledge of the gospel of Christ, the gospel of peace, the glorious gospel of entrance into the kingdom through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again. Well, that was a mouthful. But that will be clear to everybody. I think when the gospel hits the heart, the heart knows what to do. This message is turn from the Antichrist. Turn to the real Christ. Turn from an imitation hope to the real hope. Turn from a false security to the real security. Turn from fear to peace. This is the great theme of the scriptures. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 23, 17, live in the fear of the Lord always. 1 Peter 2, 17, fear God. It's another way of saying worship God, the God who seeks true worshipers, as John chapter 4 talks about. Now, real quick, I want to give you the mission. The mission is he's proclaiming out and living out what Romans chapter 1 is talking about. There's no question about it. You say, is this angel trying to frighten people into faith? No, that's not what he's doing. That's not his mission. His message is simply uh, to give, give a message to the earth dwellers. This is at the very heart of the problem of unregenerate people. They know God, Romans 1 says. They glorify him not as God, Romans 1 says, because of the knowledge of God that is in them and the knowledge of God that is around them. Men are without excuse and they have known God through their conscience and they have known God through reason. Conscience demands a moral lawgiver. Reason demands a creator. There is enough of the knowledge of God, Romans chapter 1 says, to make men inexcusable if they do not believe in him. If they do not come to the place where they know him, that is man's great sin. When he knows God, he refuses to glorify him. This angel is saying glorify him. That's what he's telling the earth dwellers to do. You know who God is. Glorify him as God, which means salvation. That's all it can mean. But they can't do that. They can't glorify God until they are saved. So until they're saved, this is a message of condemnation. But if they're saved, it's a message of hope. And here the angel, for the last time, calls on men to fear God. To, to, this is to live in a healthy fear of his coming judgment. And that is to glorify him. That is to honor him because of who he is. And the reason is given in verse 7, because the hour of his judgment has come. The hour means his fixed moment of judgment has arrived. The seventh trumpet is about to blow. The seven bowls are about to be poured out. Now is the last moment, is what this angel is proclaiming, to everyone in the world as he flies in midheaven. Man, yes, it's a strange event. And the message is very, very clear here. I would remind you that here you see the very heart of God. One last 
message of, of hope for those who can see it. It's a message of warning, but it's a message of condemnation that you have already doomed, my friend, if you don't. How many of the people on earth respond to this? How many people do you think are going to respond to an angel flying in mid-heaven calling on people to fear God and give Him glory? How many do you think is going to respond? I don't think hardly any are. So, the meaning of all this, he's asking the people to do exactly uh, what they've been doing for the Antichrist. They've been doing the Antichrist. They've been worshiping Him, bowing down to Him, prostrating themselves for Him. They fear Him. The great powerful killing machine they're they're worshiping him the angel says turn from him turn to god why because god verse 7 is the one who makes the heaven and the earth and the sea god is the real creator here satan is an imitator here again we meet this continual approach to the pagans of the world wherever the preachers of scripture approach unbelieving pagan people they approach it from the viewpoint of creation god created heavens and earth Because this is the great unanswerable question, that is, the great proof of God, that for this great effect known as creation, there must be a cause. And that angel is saying, turn to that. Well, I don't have time to actually finish the last few little things, so I'll just conclude that in next time. But let me tell you something. This is a stern warning that comes from a heavenly being to the people on earth. They better heed that warning, or they are going to be caught up in the bowls of judgment, and they are bad. So, folks, I'm at the end of another broadcast. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me, and again, my heart goes out to those in Florida that uh, had experienced a hurricane. Uh, Check on people. Check on friends. Check on people you haven't heard from, and find a way to find out if they're okay. I know my heart has been praying for several. I don't want to mention their names here, but I still have some people I haven't heard from, and I'm I'm waiting to hear from them. But I thank you for joining us. Uh, Join us next time, and we'll continue looking at the second angel presented in Revelation chapter 14. And again, I say, may the Lord bless you, and thank you for joining us today.